Here we go. West Hills Friends is a Quaker meeting in Portland, Oregon. You can find more information about our community at westhillsfriends.org. As a Quaker community, we encourage everyone to share from their hearts. Especially as it pertains to God's leading in their lives. These words are shared into a community that values the opportunity to respond and dialogue about what is said. The responses and dialogue are not included in this recording. The views expressed in this content are solely those of the original contributor. And do not necessarily speak for the entire West Hills Friends community. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Whew. Spirit is doing some work today. Um, <laughs> it's just one of those mornings where you almost have to laugh at the um, harmony between a first word, the music, and the message. And Martha prayed in the back room and basically just gave the message in a prayer. Um, so I don't know what the Spirit's up to, but um, either we all really need to hear this, or somebody needs to hear it big time. <laughs> it could be both. Okay. I have two scripture readings. Uh, they're actually, you can count them as one. They're back to back. Matthew three sixteen through 17. And then we'll continue into Matthew 4, 1 through 11. And then Jesus had been baptized. Just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him, and a voice from heaven said, This is my son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. And then the very next thing that happens, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, All these I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. 
<clears throat> there are two major things that really stand out to me in my work as a pastor and observer of people. One is something both Mike and I discovered together sitting at Village Coffee years ago, that everyone is just 10 seconds away from bursting into tears. The second is a question that appears to linger just below the surface for all of us. The question is, do I belong here? And likely the two are related. Perhaps the reason we are all 10 seconds away from tears is that in our observance of our belonging, we consistently hear the answer to the question as no. It is why I sympathize and worry about people who walk through our doors for the first time as visitors on Sunday morning. For many, the Christian church has answered the question with a resounding and destructive no far too many times. Even for those of us who've managed to find a sense of comfort in this community, we likely still carry the question with us each Sunday. The question is teased up again during times of conflict or transition. These are two things that we are familiar with as a community. In Mark 3, we read the account of Jesus' baptism. And Jesus, having just dried himself off on the banks of the River Jordan, turns around and walks into the desert with no food for 40 days and nights. He goes from saturation to deprivation. And I think that is kind of the point of the whole thing. Jesus goes into the desert, and who is there wringing his hands and waiting? The devil. And for purposes that will become clear, I'd like us to go ahead and let the image of a red-horned being go in our heads, and instead invite us into a more symbolic image of the devil waiting at the edge of the desert. <clears throat> Jesus is in the desert and is tempted by three misuses of power, economic, religious, and political. The devil takes him on a journey in his mind. You are so hungry, aren't you? Go ahead. Yield to the power of God within you and just turn one of those stones into bread. Think of the potential. You can turn anything into whatever you want going forward. Think of the economic power you'd yield with that. And then he is transported to the top of the temple and encouraged to pull off some super, superhero stuff. Show everyone how spectacular you are. Go ahead and jump, and then summon angels to sweep you up before you hit the ground. After all, it says in the Psalms that you could do that. Go ahead, assert yourself as the Almighty, the powerful fulfillment of prophecy, and make a show of it, man. Think of the following you'd have. And then the devil takes Jesus up, um, up to the International Space Station. <laughs> the text says a really high mountain. But in order to see all the kingdoms of the earth, you're going to read, need a really, really tall mountain. On the space station, he says, see that? Look at that blue marble there. Can you see Europe? How about North America? 
Look at the size of Africa. Dude, you could have it all. You can be king of the whole stinking thing. Jesus was in the desert for a long time. I don't know if he was mulling it over, but I think that he accomplished in those 40 days what some of us work our entire lives to do. I think Jesus was doing the hard and important work of resisting the temptations of the ego and bumping up against the promises of riches, of status, of celebrity, of clout, of respect garnered by dominance. Besides the mystery of him being both fully human and fully God, how do I think he did it? How did he say no to all of that? Because he came into the desert still dripping wet from affirmation of his truest self and completely assured of his belonging in a world striving towards justice, mercy, and love. For Jesus, it was far easier to say no after he heard a resounding yes and was literally submerged in an understanding of another way to be in the world and allowed his ego to be washed and swept off downriver. Jesus came to the desert fully equipped with everything he needed. It wasn't food and water. It was love. It was affirmation. Friends, we don't practice the sacrament of baptism because I think it is our hope that when we gather together, we leave dripping wet as we go into the desert of capitalism, the desert of religious institutions that tell us we aren't enough, the deserts of our political systems that continue to kill, destroy, and oppress. And we come back and dunk ourselves time and time again in a river of belonging, of affirmation of our truest selves. That God shines on our face when we come up and like the best mother or father we can imagine says, yes, I love you so, so much. I'm so proud of you. Even though I have found a home with Quakers, I must admit at times I miss the sacraments. The Eucharist and baptism and sometimes I even miss the liturgy. After all, it was seeing children my age in white robes on Sunday morning serving the bread and wine that got me into the church in the first place. For me, I was captivated by these movements that helped us remember and the spectacle of transformation. I was baptized as a baby, but I was jealous of the preparation and ceremony around seeing my friends baptized as a teenager. I used to imagine what it must feel like to be submerged and then to come up transformed. It was as close as we Christians get to a rite of passage, a communal acknowledgement of something having changed. But I also watched many of my peers quickly fall away from the church after their baptisms. I started realizing that the water in itself wasn't the magical element in the process. It was a commitment to the community and the community's continued support of that person that did the real work. It was a public statement of, you belong here, we affirm you. I've started wondering if maybe we need to be baptized every week. 
It might only take those seven days for us to forget that we belong, that we are deeply and truly loved. When we gather here on Sunday morning to worship, I hope it feels like you are submerging yourself in this river of belonging, and that it both grounds you and sweeps away all the dirt that the world has thrown at you. But I know it is hard, so hard. Because that question, do I belong here, it isn't so easily washed away, is it? And sometimes, even before we can settle into worship, the answer may already seem like it is no. That is why I think the silence we share is the true river of belonging, because it is our time to be with God. And any voice that answers the question, do I belong here, with no, is not God's voice. If you hear any voice that is saying anything but, you are my beloved child with whom I am well pleased, go ahead and start doing the work of putting that voice into perspective and figuring out who it is, because I assure you it is not God's. Regardless of what is said or not said, what is done or not done, our time in open worship is radically yours. And it is time to hear the affirmation of God's love for you. That love right there, that is what sustains us. Through all the crap that will try to pull us away from knowing that truest thing about us, that we belong, that we are deeply and intimately loved, and that we can carry that knowing into a world hostile to that reality. I wonder if you might carry that image with you into open worship this morning. Maybe close your eyes if you'd like. An image of yourself fully immersed in a river. Weightless, feeling totally free accepted, relaxed, and then a hand gently supporting you on your back and helping you to your feet. The feeling of your face breaking the surface of the water and the immediate warmth of the sun on your closed eyelids. And the first thing you hear is the most comforting, sincere voice in the entire world saying to you, you are my child. I am so pleased with you. I love you. What if we left this morning dripping wet with that? How might that change literally everything this coming week. Here's some queries for you. And after I read the queries, I'll join any teens that are with us down in the corner room. When was a time you felt deeply affirmed before launching into something difficult? How did it impact the way you navigated that difficult thing? 
What is an image that grounds you in a deep sense of belonging? Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. We're really happy that so many of you are finding it to be helpful and as a way to stay connected with what's going on with us here at West Hills Friends. If you'd like to stay connected with us in other ways, we have a couple options for you. You can check out our website. It's westhillsfriends.org. There you'll find some more information about who we are as a community. You can also follow us on Facebook. We have a Facebook account by just searching for West Hills Friends. You can also follow us on Instagram. We have a Instagram account with the name West Hills Friends. So we hope that you'll get connected with us in other ways. And again, thanks for taking the time to listen to this podcast.